Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast, where we are busy being about the work of our father in the face of everything. And I'm so excited to have with me today, Reverend Gary Randall. He's a minister at New Destiny Worship Center. This is located in Clearwater, Florida. Their website is newdestinywc.com, newdestinywc.com. Oh, Reverend Randall, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Stacy. It's an honor to be back with you. It's been a few years, but I always enjoyed whenever I am uh, a guest on your program. Well, I am glad that you're here. A lot of things have changed. You were telling me I wanted to give everyone an update, especially those who remember you, your frequent appearances on my program on Christian Radio. Um, you you were telling me that you retired and you've assumed a new role. What what's it like? And 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 you're in Florida, so tell us all about the beauty of the the new environment because we all love Florida so much. You know, there's some places in life where people just have to suffer for Jesus, and uh, Florida just happens to be <laughs> one of them. Um, it was kind of amazing how God orchestrated some things. Uh, we knew where we were going to end up when this season of our life came, so we didn't have to throw a dart against a map anywhere. Uh, we knew exactly, and we are thankful to be a part of the ministry team at New Destiny Worship Center. Um, Bishop Anthony Ballastero is the lead pastor there, does a fantastic job. And uh, we get to come in and help and do anything that he needs of us to do, and then we get to go home and turn our phone off. So a glimpse of heaven on earth? Because <laughs> turning the phone off to me sounds like a glimpse of heaven on earth. I don't even think we do it often enough. I think we just let ourselves leave the phone on and we allow it to continue to kind of bombard us all evening long when we could just turn it off and set it on you know, a charger or a table someplace and have a whole evening without it. We could do that, couldn't we? Well, we haven't learned that the phone is not permanently attached to our hands, and uh, you're right. That is something that we need to learn. And I say that with a joke. Um, we, we are very actively involved in uh, various ministries at the church and whatever that he um, wants us to do. And we just determined, Mindy and I, that in this season, we're just going to be good saints. We're just going to be good saints in the church and whatever they need from us. So it's, it's, it's really joyous for us right now. We're loving it. I'm so glad. So that's a wonderful update. And, um, you know, you and I have covered and tackled some very difficult issues in our conversations over the years, especially having to do with what we as Christians are responsible to do in today's culture. And if we compare what's going on now and contrast that with, you know, a few years back, things have really changed. And some of it's for the better. I mean, obviously, I feel like everyone in America has become far more aware of their positioning on the issue of life. And even for those who are openly advocating for abortion, pro-abortion Americans, I actually prefer people to be really solidly open about what their position is on an issue rather than what we had before where Democrats mouthed phrases like, safe, legal, and rare, but they really were promoting abortion to children, promoting it to school-age kids, you know, trying to embed it into a curriculum in public schools. And they've been successful at that. And now that they're kind of ripping the mask off and saying, yeah, we actually are promoting abortion. We are pro-abortion. We actually don't like you people of faith. We don't like your church. It makes our work all that more obvious and stark in relief. Yeah, our, our world has become very dark. Um, things that we never thought we would see uh, so uh, transparent in our society 
has come to the forefront. And it's almost scared, um, and I'm going to use the, the, the word here very loosely, but it's almost scared Christians into this silent posture. Um, I believe that the darker the night, the brighter the light should be, and we are the light. If we don't allow him to shine through us, then there is no light in this dark world. And the enemy is not um, afraid uh, to be uh, vocal. They are definitely not silent about what they are wanting to accomplish. And I don't believe we have to be in your face. I don't believe we have to be anti-Christian. But I believe that we have some principles that we have to stand upon as people of faith that will allow us to be that light and be that example that will shine through and break forth through the darkness of this world. So let's delve into that. Um, as, as a pastor and as someone who you've worked with hundreds, probably thousands of people closely, not just in leading them and as, as your parishioners, but also in praying with them and seeing them through mm-hmm. difficult times into a place of victory. We know that God never fails. We know that even in the worst circumstances here on earth, this is the worst it gets for us. We, we don't experience anything worse than this ever. Um, so trials and tribulations here are just, they're a bump in the road in the great line of time that is eternity. That doesn't change the fact that current abortion policy actually hurts Christians. It feels bad to us. It feels like it's oppressive because you can't get away from it. We have federal funding. We have state funding. We have Medicaid funding. And there's so many different ways that we are forced to participate in this act. And so the opportunity to have Roe v. Wade reversed by the Supreme Court and remanded back to the states where we can pick a state and live in a place that is anti-abortion, um, it's it's just it's like manna from heaven. We're waiting for it to fall down. So if they reverse Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court, then what do we do as Christians? Well, I think, and I was going to close with this scripture, but I think this scripture has to become the battle cry for the church. And let me also say, I think there's a lot of churches that are masquerading as churches that, that really need to get back into the Word of God and know what the Word says, not just what mankind wants. But a, a scripture that has just been um, uh, in my spirit a lot lately, Second Chronicles 7.14, if, so that means there's something that we have to do. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So there's a lot of responsibility that the church has to accomplish for the then to take place. So if we do all of these things, then he said, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. And we need that. We need him to hear. We need forgiveness. And we need a lot of healing in our land. But it's predicated upon we people of faith calling upon his name, humbling ourselves, praying, seeking his face, and turning from our wicked ways, and not just saying, you know, this is this is not my problem. This is my, not my issue. It is. And it is the responsibility of the church to take things from the Word of God at heart. And I think we go all the way back to Psalm 139. David is claiming uh, that God is present in the very first moments of an individual's life. 
and that he has plans from that moment on. He said, for you, in, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Verse 16, he says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So we've got to get back to the Word of God and know that abortion is wrong, that life begins at conception, and that we have a responsibility not to go to war, not to become ugly, not to be in your face, but we have an obligation not to have stuff on Facebook, but get our face in the book, the Word of God, fall in love with that, and go to war on our knees in prayer. I think that's an obligation that the church has. And I think the darker this gets, our response has got to be prayer. Our response has got to be fasting. Our response has got to be living the Word of God. He said, this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. So if we're going to see the end time reaping of a harvest and victorious, glorious church that God intends us to be, it's not going to happen if we don't get back to old-fashioned prayer meetings and fasting and reading of the Word of God and living the Word of God, right? Uh, back to those prayer meetings that were, we used to call them red-hot fire prayer meetings, where you prayed until, until the answer came, until you felt a breakthrough, until you felt an answer from God. You know, Stacy, in our church, we used to sing a song years ago that was called Sweet Hour of Prayer. But then somewhere along the line, conviction got in, and we started singing the song, Just a Little Talk with Jesus Makes It Right. And unfortunately, that is not going to be the answer. Just a little talk. You can't microwave this prayer life if we want to see it change and allow us to respond the right way as Roe v. Wade is overturned. So there are some very real practical outgrowths of having a life that is, you know, devoted to prayer. And to make sure that people understand, we're not talking about the holier-than-thou religiosity no. that is characterized in Hollywood depictions of Christians. We're talking about Absolutely. the private time that you engage in, uh, the continual, mm -hmm. you know, salt and pepper prayers that go on all day long where you just, you think about Roe v. Wade, or you think about maybe your neighbor's position on it, and you just say, Lord, I just hope you, you know, Lord, soften my heart towards my neighbor who really is pro-abortion, or, you know, Lord, soften my neighbor's heart on the issue of abortion. Give me something kind to say to them. Um, you, you know, show me how to still be their neighbor, even though this issue is between us. That kind of stuff. We're, we're, ta we're not talking about people, you know, joining a monastery or, or, or you know, mm -hmm. completely rearranging their schedule in a way that is... is kind of like legalism. We're talking about right. ramping up because we need more prayer because of what's going on. It, the, the circumstances under which Americans are living, in comparison to the way things were 10 years ago, it's stressful and it, it wears you down and it can take away the joy that God has given to us, which he says to us, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So without joy, we are weak. And when we're weak, we are ineffective at doing the mission that God has laid out for us. So when we talk about, you know, now we've, we've given ourselves over to an attitude of prayer because it is that moment. It's the watch and see, watch and pray moment that we're living in right now. But then there's the practicality of it. Um, the abortion industry, in anticipation of the possibility of the overturn of Roe, has already switched to chemical abortions as their method of choice. They still want to have women 
have uh, the Plan B and other kinds of chemical abortifacients mm-hmm. in their cabinet, not as something that they go and get if they have an unintended pregnancy, but having it there the same way that you and I keep acetaminophen or, you know, Motrin, Tylenol, you know, naproxen, you you keep these things in there in case you have a headache because you never know when a headache is going to strike. So they want abortifacients to be in your cabinet because you never know when an unintended pregnancy is going to strike. And then that way you can quickly abort the baby and you don't even have to go into the hospital. Now, of course, that may be the way it works for some women, but for many women, the chemical abortion is going to be a brutal reality check mm-hmm. where they see a small formed baby in their toilet or their tub or the floor of their bathroom. They're going to actually meet the circumstances surrounding what pregnancy truly is, which is the growing of a human being and the beginning of a life. For those women, there are going to be serious emotional and psychological ramifications and we as the church need to be prepared to meet those women where they are and instead of condemning them to forgive them and to walk them into the arms of Jesus so that they can begin the process of healing and coming to grips with what has actually happened preach i you know stacy i i used to always say a bunch of times i said it once i said it a thousand times in my ministry that we are to love the sinner but hate the sin and unfortunately, if we're not careful, this society that is filled with so much hatred can cause the Christian to hate the sinner, which is a sin, right? Because Christ says that the, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. When we understand that God demands his church to be Jesus to the world, to be the light, to be the example. He requires the church to deal in mercy rather than animosity towards those who disagree with us. And I think if we're not careful, we get this, this mindset that it's us against the world, that, this, that the world is just coming against and attacking the church. And I, and I get where they're coming from on that. But it's not us against the world. It's us and Jesus against the world. There was an elderly uh, African-American lady in my daddy's church years ago that used to uh, stand up and 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 she would testify that greater is he that is with us than he that is after us. And we've got to know that for a surety that at the name of Jesus, every demon has to flee, every knee is going to bow, that there's power and authority that is in that name. And we understand there is no gray area when it comes to the beginning of life. It's only black or white. Either you believe life begins at conception or you don't. But that does not remove our obligation to be Christ-like. There are too many people that react to things instead of respond to things. When I say react, think about when you're at the doctor and they hit your knee and and you have that knee-jerk reaction, right? Responding is, how would Christ want me to respond? What does the Word of God say say for me to do? So Christians have to handle disagreements with both Christians and non-Christians with respect and humility and the fruit of the Spirit. We can't allow anger or frustration to govern our actions, but we have to allow our life to bear the good fruit of someone who walks with Christ, right? We don't get the, um, the opportunity to turn the mantle of Christianity off and on like a water faucet, because we are to be Jesus to the world. And I'd like to say it like this. We are in a light and an example of His grace and mercy. And what does that mean? 
Grace is getting from Christ what we didn't deserve. But mercy is not getting from Christ what we did deserve. So if we have Christ in us, then we have to demonstrate to everyone, those that agree with us, those that don't agree with us, the grace and the mercy that was shown to us. God so loved the world that he robed himself in flesh and became the supreme sacrifice. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When he looked at the woman caught in the very act of adultery, he said, woman, where are your accusers at? She said, I don't see him. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus would say on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they are doing. So his word is full of the examples of how we are supposed to be angry and sin not, that we have to be Christ-like, that we have to have, as Galatians 5 says, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We have to have the full gamut of the fruit. Everybody misquotes that as the fruits of the Spirit, but it's not. It's the fruit of the Spirit. That means if I'm going to have one of them, I have to have all nine of them. We have to have them in operation because the church just needs to be the church. And there are going to be some things that we're going to have to look at people and realize that a discussion is not going to change their mentality or their thought on this. And rather than become angry, rather than become combative, rather than become unchristian, we just need to operate on the I agree to disagree agreeably and let God handle in his will and way what our flesh really wants to handle in our own will. It's the difference, as I said, between reaction and responding. And I know I, I threw a whole lot out there. Well, and and I'm glad you threw a lot out there because we need this. It's so, you know, there's the milk and then there's the meat and babies drink mm-hmm. milk. And then as kids progress, they they eat meat. And when they start to eat meat, right. you see a change in the way that they look. They're not as you know, roly-poly and, and fat and juicy, they mm-hmm. start to develop muscle and then they start to run and, you know, they, they become strong because of the eating of real meat and, and, you know, fruits and vegetables, solid food. And so as Christians, we want to progress from being juicy, sweet, cuddly babies and drinking milk to really digging into God's word and pulling out the meat and understanding what the will of the Lord is and where we are supposed to go in these times. And so I... I want to talk about a few practical things with you before we let you go. Uh, Pastor Randall, it's always such a pleasure to have you here, and I really appreciate your time. Um, I, can, can, we just, can we just get practical for a second? If someone is listening and they're thinking, okay, I'm praying and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling the truth, I'm being kind, but I want to do something more, and I feel we all have a responsibility to do something more. I always tell people if they ask me, well, what else can I do? You know, I already vote for pro-life candidates and I already pray. I point them to, for for us here in St. Louis, we have a now nationwide organization called Thrive St. Louis. Thrive now is in five states. We are going to expand to all 50 states, but it's an organization that I know they've gotten the cost to save a baby down to under $1,200 per baby. So when you donate to them, any part of that $1,200, if you give $600, then someone else's money is put with that, and that's used to save one unborn baby, to walk a mom um, who is thinking about going into Planned Parenthood into one of our mobile units to give her a pregnancy test, STD testing. If she wants a mammogram, all free. She doesn't pay for anything. Uh, give her a blinged out Bible, share the gospel with her, pray f- with her, 
Even if she decides to go ahead with the abortion, she can come back afterwards. And we want her as our client for all of her reproductive health care needs or, uh, you know, female health care needs. And then from there, that relationship is started and it never ends. If a mom comes in pregnant and she decides to have her baby instead of having an abortion, everything she might need is funded by donors so that the idea that we only care about babies while they're unborn We actually work every day to fight against that and to make sure that women who choose life are given every opportunity to to actually enjoy it, like to enjoy that new baby because of the things that they might need, whether it's rent or their washer and dryer aren't working anymore. Whatever it is that woman needs can be given to her through that organization. And so if you donate five dollars a month, if you donate thirty dollars a month, if you're a big giver and you write a check for 20 grand, That money goes directly to save babies and to help women who've chosen life and to help women who, you know, they may come in post-abortive and they need a Bible study. They need some kind of, um, you know, basically they need to be built back up and told that you too can be forgiven. There's that as well. What do you tell people if someone comes to you, Pastor, and says, ah, I want to help. I want to do something more. Where do you point them? Do you you ask them to give to organizations or how how can people actually walk this out? Yeah, I think I think that there are so many dynamic uh, opportunities around the country uh, within our organization, the United Pentecostal Church International uh, in Tupelo, Mississippi. There's the Tupelo uh, Children's Mansion. Uh, there is also an adoption agency uh, that is uh, involved with that as well. And I direct people a lot to that area because uh, they need resources. They need they of course obviously they need our prayers, but they need they need funds to be able to operate. And that's one area that I send them within our own church organization. But then um, I came in contact with a um, gentleman who uh, started a um, entity years ago after uh, the untimely death of his, his baby girl called Kimberly Home. Um, there, you can find them online at KimberlyHome.org. Um, they, that Kimberly Home is, is there to help educate, support, and empower women Facing unexpected pregnancies with compassionate, confidential, and professional care. It's an amazing resource for people. Uh, classes that they have, helping them to become better parents, helping them to become better educated on taking care of their finances, helping to get them out of the environment that they were in and get their feet on solid ground to be able to um, to go forward in a um, in a positive positive light. And so, rather than try to uh, you know start new things, I think we can find places like like I just said. Uh, Kimberly home here in Clearwater, New Beginnings and the Tupelo Children's Mansion in Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, are some of the things that come to my mind that people can become involved in. Um, because, you know, God is blessing these things. And I used to always say, too many people are sitting around and saying, God bless what I'm doing. When, if we would be less selfish and say, God, let me find what you are blessing and let me become a part of that. Let me bless what you are blessing. And so those are, are some areas that I would um, ask them to be. And then, you know, to Christians at large, Stacy, and even churches, pastors, just a couple of things here. Love as Christ loved. You don't have to get into an argument with everybody that you see that and look at them and point a finger, you dirty, rotten sinner, you, you're going to split hell wide open. 
that's never going to win anybody. That's never going to show them the love of Christ, and you're never going to have an opportunity to be a witness to them. I think when they come to our churches, we need to stop thinking of them as a church building, but think of them as a sanctuary, because a sanctuary is twofold. It's a place of safety. It's a place where the hurting, the helpless, the hopeless can come and have a place where they can they can be safe, right? It's also the place where His Spirit dwells, where we can come and worship Him in spirit and in truth. The third thing, don't condemn. Don't condemn. You're never going to be able to be a voice in anybody's hurting life by condemning them, but convey the word with that grace and mercy that we talked about earlier. And and even as we get closer, and I'm I'm excited, I'm thanking God every day that we're getting closer to seeing the overturn of Roe v. Wade. But I don't want I don't want to be caught and be guilty of gloating over this because then I think we lose focus on the end game. Uh, you know, Jesus looked at the disciples and said, you know, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so my end game to people that are hurting, people that that are, uh, you know, dealing with having abortions and, and where do I go from here? Or I'm, I'm struggling, I'm pregnant, how do I, how do I handle this by myself? I want to be Jesus to them with arms wide open so that I can show that love because the end game is I want everybody to have an opportunity to connect with Christ. So it's our goal to win the lost to a relationship with Christ, then we can't make enemies out of them. Because the bottom line is this, sinners are going to sin. My question is, what is the church going to do? Is the church going to be the church that God has called us to be in this hour? And I hope that we rise to that occasion. So I agree 100%. And I, I feel like, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, I hope you're inspired by that. And you know, it's hard because I get really angry about abortion. I get angry about mm-hmm. the pain it causes women. I get angry about yes. the women who are walking around silently suffering. They're post-abortive. They've been told just get over it. It was just a clump of cells, mm-hmm. but they can't stop mm-hmm. thinking about it. They can't stop feeling and they're hurting themselves. You're right. They're suffering. You're right. And that is the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And they don't know. These women have never been told oh, you know, there's a Bible study for post-abortive women. And you can go to church and, you know, get get into a group where y'all really love on each other and you walk it out together. Or you can just buy a book and, you know, walk through the process yourself at home by yourself. But no one talks about that. And so, you know, for the one out of every three women in America who are impacted by abortion, they've not had a chance to experience freedom. And so that makes me angry. And then when I encounter someone who is so they're just so pro-abortion. It's like this in the same way that I am pro uh, my favorite shopping stores for dresses and my, you know, the favorite kind of shoes I like to wear. And I'm just unabashedly in support of those things. They're that kind of supporters of abortion. And so it makes you mad. And God, he appreciates righteous anger, but he doesn't want us acting out in anger because anger rarely wins over an opponent. Like you, you're not going to impress your opponent with anger. We have to show them the truth in love. That's right. That's hard. Ephesians four twenty six, Stacy, be angry, comma, and sin not. So being angry is not a sin, but we got to channel that in a right spiritual Christian way. We can't allow the anger to control us, 
but what is inside of us controls that anger and causes us to do good, to do right, to reach out with love, being so angry again at the sin, but not so angry at the sinner that we don't get to be a voice in their life, that we don't get to have an opportunity to bring them out of that darkness that they're in and show them the light of the love of Christ. So being angry is not a, it's not a sin. If it is, I'm, I'm in bad shape. It's how we channel that. Do we allow it to become righteous indignation? Do we allow it to come, uh, you know, the, the kind of anger that causes us to do the right thing with Christ? Or does it cause us to go out and really make a fool of Christianity? And I think that's the difference. That, that's that reaction versus responding. It is. And it's it's hard. So I want to make sure if, oh, if you're if you're listening and you're like, mm, you know, um, if anybody's seen my Twitter feed, you know, I've gone out with swords, knives, cannons, you know, whatever tanks, whatever I could get at my disposal. And I have driven home the part about abortion. The points have been made. And I'm I have been angry when I've sent those tweets out. I have been yeah. upset. But I want to encourage people to move past that. And and no one's perfect. So you're not going to every interaction right. you have with someone who is pro-abortion, it's not all going to be peaches and roses. You're not going to walk away and go, whew, a Holy Spirit was with me today. Often you're going <laughs> to walk away feeling sad because you don't know if yep. your point landed. But if you can pray about it and just ask the Lord to give you the words and then do your best, whatever seed you leave, God will water it. Let, let me add to that. You're exa- and you, you just said what I was going to say. One man sows, another waters, but God's going to give the increase. When I walk away from those opportunities that God has given me, then I have that moment with him and saying, God, I did the best that I could do with the opportunity that was given. I leave the rest of it into your hands that you'll take that seed that was sown and cause that to, to rise up in their spirit and want them to have that relationship with you. And then I always add to it, and God, if I didn't do a good job, then will you help me the next time to do a better job of sowing that seed? Because I know that the end, it's all up to you, right? And so you're exactly right. We Angry? Absolutely. You know, look, God, God shouted it out, declared it from the mountaintop. You shall not murder. And we are very passionate about the innocent blood. Proverbs 6 talks about that, the shedding of the innocent blood. And, and those of us that believe that life begins at conception, yes, it makes us angry. Yes, it makes us uh, very, very fervently want to see change and, and to see people, you know, just shake them and say, can you not see what you're doing? I get it 100%. But I also believe that if we take that anger and we channel it through the love of God so that what we are presenting to the people that are hurting the people that have made the wrong choices, the people that are trying to make a right decision, and they've got this dark world that's telling them it's okay, it's just a clump, it's nothing, it you know, it's not going to matter, you're going to be okay, and we get to show them love. Because, Stacy, I have talked to multiple ladies that I have pastored who in their previous, before Christ, had had an abortion, and they were still, 20, 30 years later, they were still dealing with that, where the enemy just begins to to fight them in their mind. And so I, I agree. Angry. I've been there. I'm, I'm with you. And I am guilty, uh, Stacy, of liking every one of your comments that you put out there on Twitter. So I'm with you. I am hand in hand with you. 
Yeah, some of them are some of them are righteous. Some of them, I'm just mad because the person <laughs> refuses to hear the truth, or because they've right. engaged in mockery. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm just there gonna you, go. you know leave this last comment with you, and you know mock or not, you're gonna you're gonna hear this. Um, but there there have been other times where I've had a discussion with someone, and you know it has been I've shared, and they, at the end they said, well, I'm still. Uh, an abortion supporter, but I do appreciate you educating me on the toll it's had on the black community wow. or, you know, how it, it robs us of people who would be alive in America today who would solve problems. And when when I have that kind of interaction, then I leave sad because I'm like, OK, so they heard the truth, but they didn't it didn't change them. But most people don't change their minds on Twitter. Most people don't change their minds in one conversation. It's a seed that you plant, yeah. as you so aptly noted. And then later when the change happens that through the work of the holy spirit god fixes that up and then when we get to a place where um you know we're we've almost forgotten we ever talked to that person and and i've had people Mm -hmm. email me before and say i used to listen to you on christian radio and i hated you but now i (laughs) understand and i actually you know i believe the same things that you believe and i've come to christ and i'm like what you hated me you came to christ when did all this happen and they'll say oh you know i used to listen to you and then uh, you know a few years after that this happened to me. And after that, wow. I really went to seek the Lord or this person came to me and said, do you know what's happening to you right now? It's because of X. So it wasn't me. I may have thrown out mm-hmm. a, a couple of good seeds, but the Lord took it the rest of the way. The Lord takes and if we take that exactly attitude, right. you know what, Pastor, we will actually feel less responsibility for it. It's not our job to mm-hmm. save people. Jesus saves. There We're just go. supposed to there tell people go. the truth in love. And if we can... Help them if we can offer right. them some encouragement or maybe, you know, the side hug you give to people you don't know fully well. You don't give them a full on hug. You hug, hug them from the side. Right, right. You say a kind word. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe you just give them a compliment. You know, maybe maybe you just right. tell them, you know, we're arguing about this particular issue, but I know we agree on X, Y and Z. So, you know, I hope you know that I'm just trying to tell you where I'm coming from. It can mean a lot mm-hmm. to these people, especially the ones who, right. you know, deep down, because I remember being a Democrat in my 20s. And I was raised a Democrat, and my parents had told me, we are Democrats, that's who we are. It was a part of our identity. And I remember thinking to myself, I was disagreeing with someone, and I thought to myself, I don't know, this person's making some great points. And a little kind of voice inside me was like, yeah, but you're a Democrat, so you can't agree with this. And so that whole <laughs> afternoon, I was in turmoil. I remember this vividly. And, you know, let's face it, we don't all remember everything from our 20s. But I remember thinking for a few days, I was kind of disturbed, like my heart was disturbed. I felt like I was having a fight with myself, not that person. And so to me, that was the first little seed, the first little inkling. That was Mm -hmm. the little implantation of the first seed (laughs) of the truth where I was uncomfortable. It was burrowing its way inside of me. And then later when I came to realize just how much I didn't believe in the Democrat Party platform because it doesn't match up to God's word, when I could actually see in God's word, how it didn't match. That's when I was able to make the decision. And that person, long gone, I don't remember their name. I don't even remember what they look like. Wow. I just know we had a conversation and I walked away uncomfortable. But that person didn't yell at me or make me feel bad. They just told me the truth. So that's that's where we need to be right now, especially there's going to be a lot of rage and anger and demonic activity coming from the left over the overturn of Roe v. Oh, yeah. Wade at the federal level. Because this is a spiritual battle. And so everyone, if you see it that way, you know we do not war in the flesh. We war in the spirit. That's right. And God does not leave the results to us. Thank you, Lord, that you don't say, 
Stacy, it's on you. <laughs> you're going to have to you're going to have to convert this many thousands of people. You're going to have to see it through to the end. All he says is, Stacy, just tell the truth. Tell it in love. Right. Serve. You know, remember me. Remember, remember Jesus and how he talked to the sinners, sat with them, ate lunch with them. He disagreed with those people, but he would sit with them right. anyway. He would eat with them anyway. That's what he wants us to do. And then he, what he says to us is the results are mine. The battle is mine. Mm. You're there, but I'm the one who determines the outcome. I will say when this person will actually, that seed of truth you've planted, when it will blossom into full knowledge of Jesus Christ, that's up to me. So you don't sit up and worry about it afterwards. That takes a lot of the the, uh, the long lingering anger. I mean, everybody gets mad, but the kind of stuff that you can't get over, it takes some of that away, I feel. You know, you, you, you said a couple things that just triggered something in my mind. I wrote down here. You can't defeat in the flesh what has been birthed in the Spirit. And this wow. is a spiritual battle against the life, against God's creative ability. And so if we try to fight it and defeat it in the flesh, we're going to lose and we're going to be frustrated, we're going to become angry, and we're going to react. All we can do is understand that you cannot defeat in the flesh what was birthed in the Spirit. So. Again, our obligation, you said it, we can't save people. That's up to Christ. But we do have an obligation, Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be, not maybe, not might, not a few of you, not this one or that one, but you shall be witnesses. That is our goal and our responsibility once we have received His Spirit inside of us to be a witness, to be a light. And so when I am talking with people as a, as a minister, I always remind myself, I'm not just representing Gary. I'm not even just representing New Destiny Worship Center. But first and foremost, I'm representing Christ. And what kind of an example, what kind of a testimony am I giving to the people that don't know him? And so I got to sow the seed with the right spirit, the right attitude, and then know that Christ is going to take it from there. And that helps me. It does. It, it helps. And it can, in, in the removal of the responsibility, that's where we can get the lightness from. And, you know, I, yeah. I have to say, in areas of my life where I felt like this, this is all on me, and then God mm-hmm. has shown me gently, he always comes in gently and says, hey, that's not actually all your responsibility. Why don't you just do this part? All they've really asked you to do is this. And then, I, and then when I assume just the part that's mine, all of a sudden I'm like, hey, I can enjoy my, I'm fine. I'm not going to, this isn't going to kill me. I'm just going to do this. This is my part. And so then, so that's what he wants us to feel about these issues. And I, I'm so glad that we had a chance to discuss it today and unpack it. We went, uh, you know, we went into in the subject in a deep way. But I feel like we got past the milk of it and we got into the meat of the issue, which is for Christians, this is a very difficult subject. And it's especially Mm -hmm. difficult for people who are post-abortive or are connected to a post-abortive person. It's also Mm -hmm. difficult for us as an issue to discuss because, let's face it, wouldn't we rather discuss, you know, we're having our yard done or we're having, maybe we're having (laughs) a bathroom remodeled, right? I mean, we, we are people. We do like to discuss fun things. 
maybe talk about the latest vacation that we're hoping to take or or maybe a promotion, some good news. Talk about something that isn't, you know, one of the heaviest issues we have to face. But God calls us to talk about our home improvements and our yards and to tell the truth about abortion. And he doesn't expect us to be a one channel person. We don't only have to talk about abortion, but he does want us to have a position on it. And to make that position known to others, because other people are strengthened when they see Christians walking out their Mm -hmm. faith and saying, you know what, I actually, my favorite thing to tell people when they really start, I can see them getting angry with me. And they don't understand why I don't support abortion. And I'll tell them, you know, the funny thing is, I didn't write the scripture that says that, you know, before I formed the deep, I formed you, I I Mm -hmm. called you by name, I knitted you together in your mother's womb. I can't knit people together in somebody else's womb, nor can I be an author of the Bible. I haven't been around long enough. So if you are angry about this, you're angry with the author of the Bible, who Mm. happens to be the author and finisher of my faith. So you have to pray about that. You have to read more about that. You have to decide if you really want to be on the opposite side of God. You want to be in opposition to him. That's where we have to go with this and, and stop hiding our light under a bushel. Start speaking the truth. And feeling that freedom and knowing that, you know, if I didn't write it, Pastor Gary, that means I don't have to be responsible. I could just tell the truth and be like, hey, you know, pray about it, Christian. If you don't agree on abortion, right, take it to him. He'll talk. And you know what? The funny thing about that is the secular world believes that when we say we pray, that we're just kind of saying words out louder in our mind. Those words, they just kind of go up to the ceiling in whatever room you're sitting in. And then they just fall back down. You know, it's like talking to a the TV monitor. The, the monitor doesn't talk back. If you are struggling with the issue of abortion, if you feel like, well, I'm personally pro-life, but I don't, I don't feel led to speak out about it, or I don't believe that I should tell other people what to do with their bodies, and you're listening and you're thinking, so how do I figure out if that's right? Ask God. I have many times there said, Lord, go. I don't even know what this is about. I wish I could understand it. He will send someone to me immediately to tell me what it is. I mean, I, it ha- sometimes yep. it happens so fast. I have forgotten. I'm like, oh, oh, wow. I just, I literally yep. said I wanted to know. So God will answer. If you want to know where you should stand on abortion, if you want to know if you're supposed to speak about it, I'm not talking about publicly. Mm-hmm. I just mean in your own life. If someone asks you for if sure. you're supposed to give an answer, ask God, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to think about this issue? Give me a revelation and leave it at that. It doesn't even have to be a spiritual sounding prayer or something that you would say at church. If you just say that, he will answer and you'll be shocked at how quickly he'll tell you without, without, it's not about making you feel bad or crushing your spirit. He'll just let you know and then you'll be able to make your own decision. Because remember, God is not, he creates us, but he doesn't treat us like um, computer programs where he literally decides what we will think, say, and do. He will give us the truth, revelation, and then he leaves it up to me if I'm going to walk it out. That That's the, almost the scariest thing about it. <laughs> yeah, it's ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open. We have not because we ask not. You're exactly right. If we take it to him, he's going to give us a word. He's going to take us to a scripture. Pastor's going to preach on it on Sunday. Somebody's going to talk about it at the coffee shop on Tuesday. It doesn't matter. You made a statement a little bit ago, and I just I got to throw this in here because there's a scripture for it. 
because you were talking about how there's times Stacy says, you know, wow, this is this is so heavy and, and I can't do this and how am I going to accomplish this? There's a scripture for it. When you have done all that you can to stand, stand therefore and see the salvation of the Lord. God does not expect us to do one more thing than he has anointed us to be able to do. But God expects us to do everything that he's anointed us to do. And when we've reached that point, then he's able to take it from there and he's able to finalize our efforts. And so as Christians, we just have to do that. We have to do the things that we know that we can do. That's the praying. That's the fasting. That's getting into his word of God to solidify all of these scriptures. Jeremiah 1.5, Isaiah 44 and 24, Galatians 1.15, Job 33 and 4. All of these scriptures that solidify the life in the womb. And once we have got all of that so solid inside of us and we are becoming a witness, not, not, not becoming somebody that is terrorizing people, but we become a witness of the love and the mercy and the grace of Christ. Then, then all we have to do is just stand there and see the salvation of the Lord. Watch him take all of our investment, all of our effort, and take that to fulfill the miracle that he's going to perform in, this, in the last days. In the last days. I believe that's where we are. We are but there. We, when, uh, we are there. Wherever we are, we know that God is faithful. He is able. And I also Absolutely. want to just say... How wonderful it is to have you on the program again. Uh, thank you, Doctor. So thank you, Pastor Randall. Thank you so very much. It is always a joy, Stacey. I have a lot of admiration for you, and I love uh, to listen to your podcast. I love listening to your uh, Sirius XM. Not real long on that because I go to bed early. Um, but then also your, your remarks on Facebook and Twitter. You are a um, shining light, and I appreciate the friendship. Thank you so much. And we'll be back again with another podcast soon. God bless.